I'm Taylor Squellia, and this is Girl, It Is Time to Thrive. Welcome back to another episode. Today, I have Jackie on the podcast, and I'm so excited to have her on because she has been in my foodie community for the last, like, almost a year. She's just an absolute sweetheart, and I've seen her start up. Like, I followed her through starting a podcast, and now she's shifting more into what her original business was pre-COVID, but I'm going to let her talk all about that. So Jackie, can you introduce yourself a little bit, please? Of course. Thank you, Taylor. Um, Well, I'm Jackie Pang and also known as the Divorce Faker. I am to start a divorce mom of two crazy boys. I'm also the host of the podcast, A Quiet Divorce. And I'm also a baker. I specialize in French macarons, and I'm also an entrepreneur. I found myself becoming an entrepreneur um, through my baking. So I've kind of been jungling all those things together and trying to make it like one cohesive business platform, if you will. Yeah, I'm so excited because I feel like... What you guys don't know is we've actually had this conversation and I lost the recording. So <laughs> I'm more excited to have it again because it's been another month and she has, you know, yeah. so much has changed in the last month. So part of today is what we're going to be talking about is how she niched down. You know, baking can, you know, is a broad subject. You can bake French pastries, you could do um, Italian, you could do cupcakes, cakes. So there was so much that she could have done, but she niched down to really make herself successful. So when you started building your business, if you want to tell a little backstory about that, like how, what made you pivot into wanting to be an entrepreneur? Well, my baking goes back to my childhood. My parents owned French bakeries back in Texas. So I've kind of always been in that environment. I definitely never baked when I was younger. It was definitely when I hit adulthood and particularly when I was married carrying my son. That's kind of when I first actually picked up a whisk. I My only experience was just watching my parents baking and just eating all the things that they made. So I kind of had a palate for it, I guess, a taste for it. And I started baking when I was pregnant with my son um, for the first year. I was home, didn't have much to do. My husband at the time, he was off to work. So I found myself baking cookies, cupcakes, and Next thing you know, family and friends were asking me to do it. It's kind of one of those things I think naturally happens is everybody in your circle wants to taste your stuff, your baked goods. And it started from there. And how I really kind of decided to go into French macarons in particular is because I am such a challenged person. I found cupcakes easy. I found making cakes easy. I found cookies. All that was very simple. I could take any recipe and I could make it. And maybe that's just going back to watching my parents so much. It wasn't hard to kind of uh, pick apart a recipe and create it. So I decided to make macarons as a challenge for myself because I tried one in a bakery one day and I didn't necessarily like it. So I was like, what's the big deal with these cookies? Why is everybody so crazy about them? So I decided to, um, my friends like, you know what, you should just try to make them yourself because you can probably bake anything. Not the, not the case. So it took me two years to really get good at making French macarons. So it really kind of was more of a challenge thing. So once I got to the point where I felt like I was doing well, making them consistently by that point, so 
so many people wanted to buy them. So many people wanted them for their parties and things like that. And I, I literally found myself immersed in a business without even trying to be in a business simply by creating value for somebody else, something, a skill set that somebody doesn't have that you could provide. And that's really the, the first steps I think of creating any business is to create a product or service that is of value to somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. Just so everyone knows, if you aren't a baker, she's not being dramatic. Macarons are the (laughs) hardest pastry to make. Like people spend years and years Mm -hmm. getting like perfecting the art of it. So you spent two years practicing, which is just so admirable because most people would give up. Most people would have been like, this sucks. I'm going back to doing something <laughs> I was really good at. So yeah. that's really admirable. And then you just, you know, like you said, people creating a business that other people find value in. So you started this background business. And were you going through the divorce at this point or were you... You know, this kind of goes into people asking me how, you know, when you get, and this goes back into like the whole kind of divorce and concerns is one of the biggest challenges for a lot of women or even men coming out of a divorce is, are you able to financially take care of yourself? And this is where I kind of bring the two together, where I picked up a skill not knowing how I was going to use it. It was just more of a challenge. And then I just, yes, I made them for family and friends, but I never thought that I would still be doing it today. So, you know, having another skill set under your belt and just continuing the education of learning everything that you possibly can, especially within the field of business. So, you know, I always say to, as you create and, and start learning, make sure it's something that you can maybe someday turn into a business, support yourself. And that was one of the things that was very concerning for me when I got divorced is, what am I going to do, you know, for work and money, especially if you're a stay at home mom, and all of a sudden, you're thrown out into the workplace. What are you supposed to do? So I started baking in the middle of not during my divorce, but towards the end before we got to the divorce part. And after the divorce, I found myself going back to the things that I kind of preset for myself, not knowing that's what I was actually doing, but then able to use those skills when I actually needed them the most. So true. I think people don't realize like, you know, if you have that entrepreneurial like spirit inside of you, sometimes you mm-hmm. don't even really know it. But it's like the over time, it's the what are you good at? What comes natural to you? What do you like to get up and do every single day? So yeah. the fact that you put in two years of practicing and then people love them. I wish I lived closer so I could try one, but <laughs> they love them. And then how did you decide like at this point, you still could have done cakes and cupcakes and macarons. Mm-hmm. So what made you just 100% immerse, your, immer, immerse, immerse yourself into <laughs> macarons and niche down in this area? I saw the need for them. So whenever you're creating, trying to create a business or want to even maybe go in that direction, see what the market needs. What are they looking for? What can you specialize in because it's always better to be in a specialized part of any industry if you can be than to kind of make everything and I felt like my parents owned a bakery and they made 60 different products every single day takes a lot of time 
I have two kids and they were younger at the time. So I was like, I can't make all different kinds of pastries and things like that. It's not, it wasn't feasible. So, or realistic for me. So I said, okay, if I had to choose one product, what would be the one product that people would be willing to pay for that I knew how to do really well and that I don't see diminishing in the market that someone couldn't necessarily, you know, everybody has their own way of doing it. So how do I keep this, you know, ongoing? How can I make it last? What is the life cycle of the product? So I think of all those different factors. And then I said, macarons are, are it because at that time, they still weren't as popular back in 2015 as they are now. So I kind of saw, you know, in business, you kind of think ahead all the time, like, what's the next five years? How is this going to be the next 10 years? Is this still going to be valuable? Are people still going to want this? And I said yes to this product. So I said, okay, Macaron's going to be around for another 20, 30 years. So I decided to hone in and just really perfect that particular product in all the different ways that you can make a Macaron these days. So that's how I decided to niche in because I knew the demand of this product and how hard it is to make. So if I spent two years of my life perfecting this product, there's gotta be something to that value of those two years I put into it. So that's kind of how I figured out that macarons were the thing that I wanted to do. Oh, that makes a lot of sense because you're right. If macarons now are like all the rage, like they are mm-hmm. so popular and they're expensive. People are willing to spend good money on a cookie, on a macaron. So I think it's brilliant. And how did this affect, because you said 2015 is kind of when you Mm -hmm. started all this. During COVID, how did your whole business model and mindset have to adapt through that period? Uh, Pretty quickly, because I had a (laughs) shop. It was called Sweet Burger. So, you know, my, my, Instagram, unfortunately, is down on Sweet Burger, but I moved over to a quiet divorce. But Sweet Burger has been around since 2014. And I started a shop. I opened a shop for the first year. And then after that first year, COVID hit. So, you know, I didn't reopen my shop. I decided I need to pivot. So that's kind of my new favorite word in the business world is pivot. You have to, because everything's always changing. Something crazy is going to happen. Although COVID was probably the most drastic in our generation to happen, but um, it, it happens. So anything can happen. So you have to learn how to make sure to pivot. I still wanted to be in the dessert world. I still wanted to be in the food world, but I don't have my shop anymore. So a lot of times during that waiting period, when before we know how everything's going to play out, what do you do? Oh, at that time, I put a stop on my baking for a little bit. I took a break. And then, but I wanted to stay uh, relevant. I still wanted to be a part of the community. That's how I actually, we met each other Mm -hmm. is through a photography, food photography, because pictures of food and food go hand in hand. And I never dove into photography as much as when COVID hit because I I wanted to pick up another skill set. I thought, okay, this is a good time. We all have downtime. We all have time to figure things out as the world is figuring everything out what other skill set can I pull under my belt once we come out of this when we do? So I decided to start doing more food photography because I did it a little bit, but not the scale that we ended up doing it when we started uh, seeing each other's work on IG. So 
I, I pivot into that a little bit just to make sure that if I ever needed a photograph of my macarons that I'd be able to produce really, really nice ones. Or, you know, when the everything comes back and let's say I don't go back into baking because something else changes, then you have another maybe part of the business that you can venture off into, which is photography. So that's kind of what I did until I decided again to go back into macarons because another opportunity presented itself in Napa. And that's just the other thing is never, never, you can put stuff away, file it away, but don't ever forget about it because you never know when the need for th for that particular industry, that particular product or service is going to come back because everything is a rotation. Everything kind of goes around again. So, you know, keep up your skills, make sure you're pivoting and trying to learn different facets of the market. And let's say, um, that's another question I had the other day when I was talking about niches with another um, IG friend is, um, so let's say I had a shop, I had a macaron shop and I closed my shop, but then there are other parts of people's businesses like wholesale, uh, grocery stores were, it was completely busy during COVID. They were the ones that actually kind of stayed above the water level and was able to really maximize on the fact that everybody needed food and groceries and all that stuff. So another part that you can pivot is to see if you're not selling it direct to customer, who else can I sell it to? Mm -hmm. So redirect your business that way. Change the customer, not the product. Oh, then that's you can so say, good. Okay, yeah, <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. Keep going. <laughs> that's so <laughs> no, good, that's though. Good. Yeah, so that's what I thought. Okay, so you could change the customer. Maybe you sell wholesale, maybe, you know, retail to resale, um, online, e-commerce, just change who you're selling to versus what you're selling and maintain the integrity of your product. Yeah, pivoting is just key. Like I think I post when I, I don't know when I, I said it in the last like week or so <laughs> to someone somewhere. But you're right. The trends are always changing. The market is always changing. Social media, how to do business, it is going to continue to change. And if you're not willing yes. to pivot and adapt to those changes, then you're going to be left behind. And, you know, yeah. and I took a, one of my business classes. It was a, we had to do a case study and I can't remember the business, but they didn't adapt when, you know, 20 years ago when oh. computers started becoming popular and the internet started becoming more oh. popular, they were like, oh, this is just a phase. And they got left behind while IBM oh. like adapted and they now they're IBM. So yeah, you just think about it. Like if you're not willing to make small changes, because over time they only seem like small little pivots, but yeah. over time they do like add up. So, you know, yeah. like you said, change the customer but don't change the product because your product yeah. is good. Your talent mm -hmm. and your knowledge is good. That's just, I love yeah. that. I've That might be the title of this episode. <laughs> it was so good. Um, so my next question is, mm -hmm. you know, if you had, especially, I guess we could, we could focus in on the food community because I feel like in the food community, People, are, they're so talented. You know, they're they're gotten good oh, at yeah. photographs. They have recipe development. Their food tastes good. You know, mm -hmm. how do you, what would you say to encourage someone who's like, 
I'm good at five different things. How do I niche down? If you could give like one big tip, how, how could you encourage them in this? Find if you have five things that you say you're really good at, see how you can pare down the five and make one great product, maybe incorporate two of the five products together and see if you can't make one product that nobody else has. That's just slightly different from everyone else, whether um, like macarons, you know, there's ice cream macarons and there's, you know, um, I make a, a facaron, which is like the Korean inspired. I'm kind of adding that to my, so I'm kind of pivoting to add different forms of macarons to my menu. So the biggest advice I have is just don't ever feel, don't spread yourself too thin. If you have five things you're good at, it's just like, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? There's got to be one favorite flavor. Pick your favorite flavor and make that the best flavor that you have. And there, even if you choose one or two things and you kind of make it one product, if you can, there's still ways to better that product in time. You'll figure out how to make it better. And that's not necessarily to change. Maybe if you're doing food, the taste is the same because a lot of times people are like, man, this hasn't changed in 20 years. The recipe is the same. Okay. You're not changing how it tastes, but are you changing how you make it? Are you doing it faster? Are you doing it more cost effectively? Um, did you decide to do um, some online business to kind of balance out the brick and mortar or what, whatever your type of business model is? There's always a way to make it better. So don't stop perfecting your product. And it's not just the recipe of the product or, you know, um, how that product works. Think about how you make it and how you put that product together, how you sell it. You can always do it better the way you sell it. Is there a different way to market to a different group of people? So just, I would say the biggest tip is just always, don't ever feel like you're done. Always try to keep making your product or service a little bit better. Mm -hmm. That's really good advice. I, I like that. And I agree with you. It's just, you know, like you, I like how you said it. If you like five flavors of ice cream, which one do you love the most? Because yeah. those four other flavors doesn't mean they're done with. It doesn't mean you never get to dabble with them when you niche down. And I think so many people get afraid that if they niche down, they have to stay in this one lane and they can never like touch or do anything else that they love. Yeah. So that that's a really good way to look at it. And can you tell us a little bit about how now, you know, we talked about how you got into it. We talked about you had to pivot mm -hmm. for COVID. We're mm -hmm. two years, not really past COVID, but we've adapted to the new lifestyle. Yep. What is in the horizon for you now? For me now, I have, you know, during COVID, I've adjusted to co-parenting a lot better. So from a personal level, um, co-parenting better. So it just makes the environment more pleasing. And your creative juices flow a lot more when everything else is kind of vibing a little bit better. Um, Business-wise, I am looking to open a kitchen in Napa, my baking kitchen. I don't plan on doing a brick and mortar. I want to do it a little bit differently. So it's funny that, you know, you're asking me this, so I'll share kind of stuff I've never shared with anyone before. As far as what I'm looking to do is the Korean-inspired macarons. They've been around for a while, and they're kind of becoming popular over here, which is the thicker filling. It's almost ice cream-like in texture. It's amazing. And I actually like them so much more. 
I made those from the beginning, actually, when I started my sweet burger shop. So I always had those kind of thicker Korean style Macs. So I just, I think I'm going to do wholesale. I think I'm going to do more private events and weddings with the macarons. But I also think I'm going to, you know, you see a lot of delivery of um, diapers, of groceries, a lot of delivery services now that we're post-COVID, the life now is just getting more things delivered. It's harder to go out and get it yourself. So I want to provide something where macarons actually come to you, but locally for my San Francisco and Napa residences. I wanted something a little more local and I actually thought of like, you know, a food truck, mm-hmm. but it's going to be just macarons and you it's almost like an ice cream truck where you can actually step up and purchase them and eat them at at that time and I I might I might do something like that where it's kind of the new version of I would say an ice cream truck I guess or an ice cream cart or something to where you could actually use those at an event or you can follow us on social media see where we are going to be for that day or that week and just pick them up and eat them so I wanted the customers that want to just get a few and eat them and not have to think oh I have to order the minimum of four dozen or six dozen for an event and then wait for a special occasion to be able to enjoy them I want everyone to be able to have them whether you want one two or a dozen so that's awesome and you know you live in San Francisco what brought you to Napa um I wanted to honestly it was COVID it was a lot of craziness going on. I felt like I wanted to kind of get away. We weren't going to be able to get on a plane at that time when I purchased the home. I didn't know when traveling would be open again. So I have four kids that I take care of. So I wanted to make sure we had a place to retreat to, something to get them away from the daily grind of distance learning and being at home all the time. So my house in Napa is kind of 20 minutes up in the mountains, and it's a real kind of retreat. So my baking kitchen is going to be there as well. So it's going to be work, but a getaway for me to go there and bake every day. Oh, that's awesome. So where can people find you? Where can people follow along with you? Um, if you, especially if you are going through with this truck, like, or car, however you do it, <laughs> I'm like, that is going to be amazing. I think that's such a good yeah. idea. And I think it's yeah. such a good way to to pivot, you know, as people, like you said, you could go just wholesale or you could do a brick and mortar that's going to have hundreds and hundreds of dollars of rent and this and that, or you could bring something to the streets where people, uh, I don't know what it's like where you live, but where I live, I've noticed more people are walking, more people Mm -hmm. are enjoying the outdoors, you know, going to food trucks more because sit down restaurants just weren't you know, available yeah. for a year. Yeah. Um, they wanted to get out of their house. They wanted to explore a little bit more. So I think that is such a good idea. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited too. I kind of just thought about that the last couple of weeks, how I wanted to do direct to consumer, but not in a shop, a brick and mortar type style to where they still have to come to me. But this way, we can kind of meet each other halfway. Awesome. Are you going to do wholesale as well or just uh, direct to consumer? It depends. I'll do direct to consumer, private events, weddings, and I will do some retail to resale if you want to be um, one of the vendors that 
kind of carries the product. Um, I'll do that as well. Just I'm open to all different types of models as long as I, I feel like a range of people are able to enjoy the product, then that's kind of more of the business model and the goal. So we'll see what works for everybody. Um, and I'll try to do it to where everybody gets to enjoy them equally. Awesome. And where can people follow you and your podcast? Because she didn't really talk about it much, but she has an incredible podcast. This is kind of pivoting, <laughs> but can you talk about what you yes. just announced today that you're like, what, number 35? I was, oh, I, yes, I was kind of just scrolling through. We're always like looking things up and I just happened to pop on uh, this feed that was said the six the uh, best divorce podcast to listen to in 2022. So I clicked on it. I honestly didn't think I'd be on it. I just wanted to scroll through all 60 to see who was on it because I'm aware of a lot of the podcasts out there that talk about divorce. And when I saw my logo or my um, artwork, I like put my phone down. I was like, no. And then I picked it back up and I saw that I was number 35. And I was just I was shocked. And it's such an it's such a good feeling and an honor because when I started the podcast, it was really therapy for me and hoping that me sharing my story would help someone else. If it even helped one person or two people feel a little bit better about going through something so traumatic and that you're not alone, then that was kind of the whole point. And I honestly didn't even think anyone would listen to it. I was like, I remember when I recorded my first episode, I was like, what if nobody listens to this? It's okay. I just wanted to record it for myself. So I was fine with it. But then now to be number 35 on, uh, there's so many podcasts out there to be recognized at all. It's just so I'm, I'm so thankful. So thank you everyone for listening. A Quiet Divorce on all platforms and A Quiet Divorce on Instagram is where you can find me now because Sweetburger is no longer. And I decided another pivot you know, instead of going back and try to find my Sweet Burger account, I decided to start new, start fresh. And, you know, everything kind of, I'm starting a new business, kind of have the podcast. So I just wanted to kind of start a new IG. So follow me there, A Quiet Divorce, and the same on all platforms for the podcast. Awesome. Well, I will link everything in the show notes and your podcast is so good. I love it. I'm I'm not married, but I've been in a long-term relationship <laughs> and it's like I listen to it and I'm just like, you know, it just makes you think. It makes you, you know, it's okay to move a little slow. Like, you know, I remember yeah. you know, sometimes I'm like, I want to marry you. Why aren't you marrying me? And then I listen to like the podcast and like, you know, and I look at other people and I'm like, you know what? it's okay to slow down. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay because you just share so much vulnerability and it's just a lot of life lessons. I mean, really. And you just like open your heart and just share it with everyone to kind of learn from your story and take what they need to take from it. So I will link the podcast and your new Instagram below. And thank you so much for doing this and coming on the show again because, you know, I didn't press record last time or whatever I did. But I'm so, so appreciative (laughs) because I wanted to get this episode out there because I think, you know, especially in the food community, I know it can be overwhelming. There's just so many options. So this is really helpful. So thank you again. No, Thank you for having me. It's been great and always nice to chat with you. We see each other on Instagram, but we hardly get to have face-to-face time. So this is really nice. So thank you. Thank you. You're welcome.
Oh my gosh, guys. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Jackie is such an incredible woman. She has adapted and pivoted so many times in her life and there she has just has so much knowledge and so much to share with the world. I hope that you go follow her and listen to her podcast because you're going to be blown away by this woman. And I hope that you guys found value in this episode and that you you have five different things that you love to do that you're a little less intimidated to niche down because niching down is not putting yourself in a box. It is just finding something that you love to do that you can teach it over and over and share that information and offer that to the world. Niching down does not mean you do one thing for the rest of your life and that's it. You just stick to that. It means finding something you love, but being able to pivot and move and adapt with that thing. And over time, that might change, but don't be so intimidated by niching down. And I hope that Jackie's story and the fact that she was able to pivot and you know, fall in, in and out in love with things. Like she always loved baking macarons and she loved taking photos and that was able to work for her. And now she's going to be back doing macarons and, you know, to consumers, which is awesome. So I hope that you guys love this episode. Please review it, like it, share it. And as always, be kind to someone, eat some good food and pat yourselves on the back. It is your time to thrive. And that starts with them. 